Thanks for joining us today on Open the Word with Circle of Friends. I'm Missy. And I'm Libby. And I'm Gwen. So we have been, um, I think today, consider it a third part of where we've been the last two. And we're kind of adding into um, us today with Libby joining us. So we're going to try to catch her up and you if you're tuning into today, but you've missed the last two weeks. So we have been talking about um, what happens, what our response should be when we are confronted with sin, um, how we handle it as individuals, how we handle it as a body of Christ, how we handle it um, from other angles as well. So um, basically our Two sessions or two Mondays ago, we talked about how uh, the Saul, King Saul in the Old Testament out of 1 Samuel handled it uh, in chapter 15 when he was confronted by Samuel. Um, and we talked through his pattern and how, you know, he was confronted and the first thing he did was lie. Um, and then he admitted just a bit. Um, and then he blame shifted. And then, you know, third part, when he was finally confronted and his consequences were repeated a second time uh, in more detail and a little bit more severely, he still struggled to own what he had done. Um, and so uh, we talked about that example in the first of this, these three. And then the last Monday, we talked about David's example out of Second Samuel um, and how when he was confronted by Nathan, who was the prophet at this point, um, David's response is, I have sinned, nothing else, but a full acknowledgement of that he had done it. He, he done it. He didn't argue back. He didn't blame shift. He didn't guess, but he didn't do anything, but I have sinned. And I just want to interject this. I have sinned against the Lord. So he yeah. recognized God's against holiness yes. and what his sin had done and how that separated him. Yes. Yeah. And then following that out, um, were the consequences were dished out and he sought the Lord until he knew for sure that God was going to take the life of that child. And the moment he knew that the Lord was going to fulfill all that he had promised in that area, and he had been asking for mercy that perhaps God might change his mind. But when it was obvious that God was not changing his mind about that child, he got up and he went back to life. He went back to worship. He went back to other things. And he let those consequences be what they were with open acceptance. When you read in Psalm 51, you see David talk about how the Lord um, does not delight in sacrifice but instead, a treasure for him is, is a broken and contrite heart. Um, and so what you see in David as he walks from that moment of confrontation is a broken and contrite heart being offered back to the Lord. Um, and so we talked about the comparison between those two. And then today I was kind of thinking it would be good to walk into the early church and to see how the early church, particularly Paul, mentoring the church at Corinth on how to handle sin, how to confront it, how to walk through it, and then how to restore a fallen believer. Um, Gwen, yes. I'm going to interject okay. something now. <laughs> and I, uh, of course, had no idea what you ladies were going to be talking about. But I will say this. Many years ago, mm. I was Saul and I was David. Mm. I was both. I, I was in a place in my point. life where... Oh, I was looking for any way to excuse my sin, to blame shift, to uh, 
understand it, to have people understand it, whatever, whatever, whatever. <laughs> and boy, I tell you what, it, it brought me down to the depths. Like when David talks about his bones being crushed. Mm -hmm. And when I found Psalm 51, I, I thought, oh, Lord, this is where I must be. Yeah. I have to move in to Psalm 51. Mm -hmm. I have to move in and live there for a while for the rest of my life. <laughs> and, and honestly, yeah. it was, um, <laughs> but, but let me tell you this, when, and I'm not looking at the psalm right now, I'm going by what I remember, when David says, against you, O Lord, and you only have I sinned. Do you know how this young woman interpreted that? <laughs> I didn't sin against anybody else. That's right. All I have to do, Lord, is come clean before you. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Mm. And it just makes me so thankful for his mercy mm. and grace that he continued to lead me into complete truth of what that meant, what I needed to do. And I had sinned grievously against my husband, against other people who were kind of on the um, fringes of that. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to justify it. And I'll tell you what lies at the heart of it, I believe, is pride. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to admit that they're capable of doing those things. And then when they look at it, <laughs> and especially I think in today's culture, we are actually encouraged to blame shift. Yeah. Oh, we're, yes. we're encouraged yeah. to say, huh, not me. Yeah. Or because of you. Mm -hmm. Or <laughs> yeah, we're encouraged yeah. to do that. Yes, but mm -hmm. and honestly And we're training our kids to do it. Oh my and by looking how we back, parent and yes, defend yes, when parent our and kids defend. have done wrong. Yeah. Instead yeah. of I remember Beth saying, Lord, if and when these things happen, help my kids to fall hard and fast mm, yeah. because that is the broken and contrite spirit mm -hmm. that God will continue to deliver and redeem and, yeah. and uh, restore the time, redeem the time. And, and so anyway, I just thought, this is so interesting to hear this because I hadn't thought about this for so, so long. Mm -hmm. But that trigger thing yeah. took me right back to when I was Saul mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I was David. Libby, I'm, and I'm curious because this is what I've seen. So I'm wondering if you see or saw or felt the same thing. But when you do the hard thing, which the hard thing is to say, I'm a sinner. I sin. I've sinned against you and you. God, here I am. Forgive me. And, and maybe even, you know, the hard path is you have to confess or you have to, you know, uh, restore what was, whatever it is, or, you know, work through the a relationship, whatever it is. Like make that amends. looks so cute. Make amends. That's so huge and so hard. And yet, when you choose that path, that really is the road to freedom. Yeah. And healing. And healing. Yeah. And enjoy at the end of it because you have a restored mm. relationship with God and maybe by his mercy and grace, you've restored other relationships or, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah. No, you are absolutely right. In fact, when I look back, I remember thinking, 
I wish I would have just taken out a full page ad <laughs> in the budget confessing. <laughs> you know, I mean, it yeah. felt that it felt yeah. that big to yeah. me. It felt that uh-huh. big. Yeah. And and yet here's the thing. Here's the prison, mm. the deep dungeon of unconfessed sin mm-hmm. is you don't ever get free from it. It grows bigger. Yeah. And, and harder to work out. You may of. know, you mm. may know that God has forgiven you, mm. but if you're walking in unreconciled relationships, mm. as much as it's within your ability and power to do by God's grace and equipping everything just kind of festers like a sickness and you will block it out with all kinds of other things. Mm -hmm. You will defer with all kinds of other things, but everything will feel heavy and dark and dirty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, you know what I found in my own experience is that when you put an ad in the paper and confess, I mean, you know, in, in, in my situation, in my husband's situation, we were in the pastorate, so it was public, public, <laughs> yeah, like very, very public, and and intentionally so. Over two hundred letters went out. He spoke in the church. Mm. I mean, you know, just yes. and individually to people about his moral <clears throat> failure, and and I was right alongside of him because of my own sin and my my own anger issues, which we had talked about. Gwen, equal sin, yeah. maybe a little different consequence, but once that was out there, man, for someone like me who was such a people pleaser and worried about what people thought and all, it was just sort of like, okay, they know the, what does it matter? They know the worst of us. Yes. Like, right, right? right? Yes. Yeah. And Missy, I was thinking when you asked that question, mm. and, and I didn't say this, but I'll say it now because I had momentarily forgotten, which is so typical for me, you, you fe- full confession, you feel beautifully naked yeah. mm. yes yes and it's so scary to do that but it is oh but listeners. once you do oh, it it it's awesome because you there's nothing between you and the lord nope. and and you may yeah. get you may get backwash from people around you that that may happen i'm, I'm not saying mm. it, it it might be but between you and the lord there is no barrier there is no Oh, well, and I'll tell absolute, you this too. Just truth. It's well, authenticity. Here yes. I am. Yes. And when, yeah. and when Mike and I would continue to talk about this whole process, oh, honestly, it's amazing the people God brought into our lives to lead us both into mm. full repentance. Yeah. And when we would talk about that even years later, but, but especially closer to when all of this actually happened, I remember saying to him, do we need to write out like details? Do we need to write down bullet points? Do we need to, of, mm-hmm. of what we've done, what I've done, whatever, what needs to be, does it need to be itemized? And he simply looked at me and said, I want you to know you are 100% forgiven. Mm. You don't need to tell me anything mm. else. If you want to, that's fine. Yeah. I don't need to know. Mm. And I did the same thing with him. And you know what that did? It caused us to be able to run to each other mm-hmm. when we had sinned against each other instead of walking on eggshells. Mm-hmm. Or hiding. Or, or hiding. Hiding, yes. hiding and hoping. Yeah. Right. <laughs> hope yeah. nobody finds yeah. out. Yeah, hope, yeah, yeah. Hope this doesn't yeah. blow up in our faces, you know. Right. Hope yeah. there isn't something on the other end that's yucky that's going to blow up here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. Here's, the, here's the reality. Mm-hmm. I would also walk in fear of... 
as you said, Missy, who else might find out? Mm -hmm. Or what about those things that are only known to Mike and me? Mm -hmm. What if other people find out? Mm. Da-da-da-da-da, whatever, whatever. Well, now that Mike is gone, I don't have him to process through Mm -hmm. this anymore. And, And it's not like I need to. That was so long ago. But here's the thing. I know that God will equip me and help me if someone does come up and say, by the way, Mm. or I remember when, or did this really happen? Mm -hmm. Whatever, whatever. I don't have to worry about that. I don't. It is so wonderful to be able to focus on the ever-present, always sufficient Mm -hmm. grace of God. Mm -hmm. But here's something that I am learning. Thank you, John Piper, is the future grace of God. Mm -hmm. That I don't have to think about those things that might happen. Because if and when they do, Mm. I will have God's grace. And right now, sitting in this chair where I am right now, I can say, trust in his future grace. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love where we, we have ended up. And I want to take us into the church at Corinth right from here. Um, and the, the, and I'm just, you know what, I'm not even going to preempt it. I'm just going to pick up and read. Um, I'm going to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 14. I am writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even if you have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I've sent you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere and in every church. Some of you have become arrogant as if I were not coming to you, but I will come to you very soon. If the Lord is willing, then I will find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. What do you prefer? Shall I come to you with a rod of discipline, or shall I come in love with a gentle spirit? Now chapter 5. And I read that as kind of an introduction because he's laying the groundwork for what he's going to do in chapter 5. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that even the pagans do not tolerate. Now, that's rich coming from Paul about Corinth because the Greek world had literally created a word for sexual immorality called to Corinthianize. Okay, so Corinth was the seat of sexual immorality. And something is happening in this church body that even the pagans do not tolerate. Okay, a man is sleeping with his father's wife, and you are proud. Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and have put out of your fellowship the man who has been doing this? For my part, even though I'm not physically present, I am with you in spirit. As one who is present with you this way... I have already passed judgment in the name of our Lord Jesus on the one who has been doing so. So when you are assembled and I am with you in spirit and the power of our Lord Jesus Christ is present, hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. 
I'm going to stop right there. Yes, please. Can can I just tell you, this is what we don't do. That's right. In how we pray for people who are walking in sin. Yeah. Do you feel the intensity of Paul saying, I am handing one over to Satan for what reason? To destroy the flesh so that... Not the soul. That's right. His soul may be saved. Yes. These are hard, hitting rock bottom consequences for the greater purpose of saving this person's soul. This brings up a concept that we don't understand in the church. I truly believe that when we are handed over to the enemy, to Satan at times for testing, it is to destroy the flesh. It Which is t- needs to be destroyed. Right. <laughs> it, it, it is literally so that that part of us gets sandblasted away so that what's left can be redeemed and restored. Like, honestly, think about the persecution or the suffering or the struggles that we go through. And then go back to Job. Think about Job. The Lord says, have you considered my servant Job? This idea that God would, for a season, with very specific boundaries and parameters, hand us over to Satan for testing, for trial, for tempting. Think about that. That is not something that sits comfortably, especially in the American church, right? Right. A good God would never do that. Right. He would never do that. Here we've got an example of Paul saying, I've handed him over. Yeah. Uh, let me put this in other words and, and tell you kind of how I've ended up praying for people. Um, there have been a couple of people in my life that I'm like in situations where I have literally, they've either walked out of a counseling office or, you know, it's anyway, but there's been a kind of a moment where they've been confronted and I know about it. Um, or maybe it was me that did the confronting because I've had a couple of those sessions where I've looked at somebody and said, listen, I want you to understand that you in my office right here in my presence today is an intersection. You've got to decide which direction you're going. You're either going to continue to walk towards sin, and this is what I can perceive as possible consequences of what you will walk out and cause your entire family system to walk out, or you will turn back to the Lord and you will return from where you've come and you will head back and stay in that direction exclusively. And, and I've looked at that someone and I've said, listen, today is your moment of mercy. You will either choose to turn from your sin or you will continue to walk in it and God help you. Because, I, you know, when we have one of these moments, God releases us to our consequences. That is the same kind of thing as here. In those moments, my prayer when they walk out my door is, okay, Lord. I give them to your hands and keep me out of the way of your consequences. Oh, yes. Whatever you choose to deal with and do in their world, Lord, I pray that the end result would be their salvation or their coming back to you or their restoration. So, Lord, you do whatever it takes. You know, and I think that me in particular (laughs) needs to really be aware Mm -hmm. of how well I am loving the people that I say yeah. I love yeah. when 
all I might want to do is to protect them from those consequences, mm. is to keep thinking, oh, if we just work harder at this or whatever. And I, I think we all need to be aware of that. And it's an indicator of how much I really trust God with that person, with yeah. that image bearer of his, yeah. to, to hand them over to Satan as God says does not mean God is abandoning them. No, it does not. It's a part of his sanctifying process. Right. And again, it comes back to trusting his future grace for that person. And so we really, really, really have to know how God defines love and what it looks like in these types of of situations. Let's keep reading on this. Does that sound okay? Missy, do you want to go ahead and pick up in verse six? Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast that you may be a new batch without yeast as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old yeast, the yeast of malice and wickedness, but with bread without yeast, the bread of, of sincerity and truth. I've written to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral, or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave this world. But now I'm writing you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or a slanderer, a drunkard or a swindler. With such a man, do not even eat. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked man from among you. Far more tough, tough words. I got to tell you, Missy, as you were reading, I always kind of chuckle at this part when when Paul is saying um, that we would have to go out of the world. world. Can't leave the world, (laughs) right. Yeah, Yeah, but I love the way that he really distinguishes between the two. Mm -hmm. He's talking about those who claim to follow Christ. And tolerating sin in your midst. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I tell you what, I'm not saying we need to go here, but I just want to say this. We see this all over social media. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Like people who profess to follow Christ and they're living with their boyfriend or girlfriend. Mm -hmm. They're pregnant. They've had a baby, whatever, whatever. And believe me, I'm not just saying that sin. I'm just saying sin. That is sexually immoral. And yet the comments that come up from other church Christ followers, congratulations, yay, mm-hmm. woohoo. And, and I'm not saying there can't be places and times and reasons to celebrate, yeah. but I think this is part of the problem. We are normalizing what should be called sin. Yes. We are absolutely condoning it, and the the... What that is leading to is then people choosing to say there are parts of the Bible that don't apply anymore. That's archaic. That's not what it really means. It is all an attempt to justify our immorality and sin. Yep. Well, and, and there's been a huge shift in the last couple of years with um, 
sex outside of marriage and how that's viewed. I mean, honestly, for Christian people, I am amazed and appalled that that is not a big deal anymore. Right. Well, and the thing that really troubles me is it may not seem like a big deal right now, but you wait until it continues to cause further breakdown of the family. And it has. Oh, it has. It has in unimaginable ways. But that has not come to the forefront yet. And when it does, it's, it's going to be horrendous, the breakdown of the nuclear family. And especially since we have such a disregard for it, for this blessed, honored institution given to us by God, and we spit on it. We spit on it and say, that's okay. That was then. This is now. I'll do it my own way. Thank you very much, God. Yeah. And God, God does not change. He doesn't change. And we, we, we justify ourselves to fit into the culture sometimes or allow the culture to be our justification, what the culture thinks or believes. But we know... That if we align ourselves with the world, we, we're against God. Yeah. It's oh, we are. But we fear the world's voices more than we fear the Lord. Or we have, I agree, I think we also have this skewed uh, I- even vision of evangelism. You know, mm. you hear about gentle parenting. Yeah. Well, we're doing gentle evangelism. Yeah. And gentle is awesome. It's part of the fruit of the Spirit. But again... It goes back to how do we define love? Right. Is it God's definition? How do we define gentleness? Yeah. Is it God's definition or is it the culture's? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're coming to almost to the end of our day now. I feel like we need another couple hours on this. But, uh, <laughs> that's because Maybe I'm here. Session. I'm sorry. Another no. session. <laughs> no, that's, that's, how, that's how it works. But, but I, Gwen, you and I have talked about this before, but but Paul brings up this matter again when he yes, writes he his does. second letter in Second <clears throat> Corinthians. Um, it's in chapter 2, and I'm going to read from verse 5 and following. If anyone has caused grief, he has not so much grieved me as he has grieved all of you to some extent. Not to put it too severely, the punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient for him. Which is talking about that being cast out of the body the church in Corinth. Now, instead, you ought to forgive and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. I urge you, therefore, to reaffirm your love for him. The reason I wrote you was to see if you would stand the test and be obedient in everything. If you forgive anyone, I also forgive him. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I've forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. In order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Okay, first of all, let me point out, as if you're listening to Gwen's podcast, you know that this is, you know, there were four letters to the Corinthians. So this is two, and I think this is, is this four? So um, there's some missing pieces in here. However, my, my point in going to here is to recognize what the whole point of this thing is. Yes. It is to restore a brother. Beautiful. It is for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is all those things. Um, and, and especially this last line, for we are not aware, unaware of Satan's schemes. It's Satan's schemes to bring down all the brothers and sisters. You know, he is out to kill, steal, and destroy. That's right. That's his, that's his schemes. And he, he attacks and, and we fall. We fall for it. We fall into temptation and we sin. Uh, uh, confronting a brother 
and maybe even the kind of church discipline that he is telling the Corinthians to do, that that's not just to kick somebody out of the church. That's not the point at all. The point is to help a brother or sister face who he is, who or she is, and what they have done. And literally to fall on their face and ask God for his forgiveness and his mercy. And he is to be forgiven, no question. Uh, But I might point out, and if you haven't listened to the first two podcasts, Gwen and I went all over consequences. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe we don't need to go into that again. But so he's forgiven. He's forgiven by God. He's forgiven by his brothers and sisters. But eternal consequences may still apply. And tangible earthly ones. You know, for example, if you have sex outside of marriage, you might end up with a pregnancy. You know, and so there's a lifetime of a child, you know, and and a child that wouldn't have arrived at that moment if it wasn't for the sin. Um, And so, you know, God redeems, I think, through that child in beautiful, beautiful ways. And yeah, it's a gift. In perfect ways. And whether that's through adoption and offering a family that can't have children or whether that's through just parenting that child mm-hmm. over the years. I think yeah. there can be beauty that comes out of that, so I don't want to communicate that. But that's a natural and tangible consequence yeah. that doesn't go away just because the heart repents. That's right. And the other thing that might be even a little bit more experienced is the broken relationships. Yes, you know, like there, there can be absolute perfect forgiveness Mm. by the grace of God. But boy, once you break trust, once you break that relationship, it can feel like you're (laughs) moving upstream for the rest of your life. Now, that is a natural and logical consequence. That's an earthly consequence. It is. I think I misspoke earlier. I was Mm. saying eternal consequence. I wasn't. But I really mean the earthly, because that's the point, is that, you know, sometimes we we go one way, Kick them out of the church. We have nothing to do with you anymore. That's not biblical. Right. Or, oh, it's all okay. Don't worry right. about it. There's not. That's 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 not right either because you're you can't cover up sin for any reason and think good is going to come from it. Yeah. It but has to be revealed, confessed, and forgiveness and comes. You're looking for the constantly walking in humility around that sin. You're looking for that broken and contrite spirit to remain, and that. Yeah. The ones that are the closest to that pain are the ones that are going to tell you whether there's been a change or not. Mm. It's not the outside of distant observers that get to call that. It is the ones that have been the closest to that point of break. Right. You know, so if it's in an affair, it is the spouse that gets to call. No, there is a broken and contrite spirit here. I'm seeing difference. That call does not deserve to be made by others who do not live on a consistent basis with that person. So, I mean, I would just, there's a whole lot more I would say on this, you know, of counseling for years and just living life with people and community. And But that was one of the most important things to say, yes. that last point that you yes. made. Yeah. Who gets to make that call? Yes. yes. Who gets to make that because, call? Because, and, and I'm going to quote my grandma. She says, you don't ever have to tell a wife when her husband has changed because she'll be the one telling you. Yes. And yes. that, if I could tell yes. anybody that, that's what I would say. So as family around somebody with an affair or a, a church community around somebody with an affair, you watch the wife. You watch the, yeah. the spouse that's offended. And you watch for them to say, no, 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 no. 
there is a broken and contrite spirit yeah. here. There is humility here. And, and he has changed. If it's this there, has changed. You're right. It's mm-hmm. consistent and it's it it it's it will walk itself out. out. Yeah. You know, I sometimes I think about this yeah. whole trust issue and sometimes I think churches struggle because oh we're supposed to forgive so we do but mm-hmm. but here's the thing about trust and trust is so important in any relationship but particularly in the marital relationship and and I use I use this illustration if you had an employee who stole from you and they confessed and maybe they went maybe they went to jail maybe they repaid it maybe whatever okay mm-hmm. still an employee would you would you automatically let them back at the register or into the books no Natural and logical consequences apply. Yeah. No. No way. And if you did, that would be on you. Right. Right. So there would be boundaries that all those things. That's not good discernment. Discernment always has to come into play. Yeah. Absolutely. And that broken and contrite heart does not happen at the forcing of accountability. Mm. Right. So glad you said that. Yes. Okay. Through accountability, accountability comes in like a brace. But it doesn't reset that. That has to be reset in the heart. That's the vertical relationship. in the outward. But it has to be reset in the heart first. You know, with affairs particularly, there has to be this sense of I'm letting go of that completely in the heart of the person who's had the affair. Because if they hold on to even the imagery or the dream or the hope of that, they have not fully confessed in that heart well and even further whatever it takes to rebuild that trust that is on them now well and that's yielded yeah that is yielded the 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 right to have marriage a certain way is yielded in that it has to be laid down in humility it's the accepting of the consequences you talked about with david he when, accepted the consequences. Yep. His son died. Mm-hmm. There, there was to be fighting and upheaval in his family for the rest of his line. Those were consequences. That's right. And he asked God for mercy. Yeah. But he accepted what God gave for consequences. And so in that marital relationship, um, I'll go with just the traditional because I think most affairs are probably in one direction. I think a lot of them are, although not all of them. So I do want to characterize that. But the offending spouse, okay, the one who actually steps out on their marriage and causes that break, um, that person is one down in the area of trust. So in other words, what that means is they are to take a knee. In humility, they choose to take a knee in that relationship and allow the other person to let them know when trust has been built. Um, there's a it's, there's a whole lot more to this in affair recovery, um, and but the, to just understand that the one offending is on a different is in a different place in the recovery cycle than the one who has just learned about the affair when the truth has come out. Mm. They are at totally different places and you cannot expect instant forgiveness. That is unfair. Um, And so I think sometimes from the outside, that situation can be so harshly judged, judged on the one that's been hurt and broken in the, the, the violation um, that we expect them to bounce back so quick, and that is not fair. Mm-mm. It's not fair. And we we demand that they give the offending spouse rights all over again instantaneously. And when you break trust, you don't give them access to everything again. 
You don't. You take it slow and you work in, in patience and with that, hopefully, sense of constant humility and broken and contrite spirit. Anyway, we got into a doozy right at the end. So I am just going to leave you guys right where we are. And um, if you are dealing with something like this or the aftermath of it, please seek wise counsel. Um, please seek wise counsel. Uh, seek someone who's been trained in re- affair recovery and listen. Um, listen close. If you know of a couple that's walked through it, um, I would encourage even Missy, can yeah. they reach out to you? Absolutely. I would encourage you to email. Um, our email for Open the Word Podcast is Open the Word Podcast, no spaces, all lowercase, at gmail.com. Uh, we would love to reach out to you and give you some resources. That's all we've got for today. Thanks for opening the word with us. Thanks for listening today. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We'd love to hear from you, so find us on Facebook and Instagram at Open the Word Podcast or... Send us an email to openthewordpodcast at gmail.com. Is it time for you to plan a day trip with your peeps? Come and stay a while at Shia Market in Berlin. There is something for everyone, no matter what your taste or style may be. Visit the Village Gift Barn for your custom floral arrangements and timeless accessories for your home. Stroll upstairs to Shia's Style Boutique for your perfect outfit. Everything from accessories to shoes. Be inspired at country gatherings with decor from modern farmhouse to transitional design. Then meander through the gardens for a large selection of houseplants. And last but not least, order your perfect cup of brew at the Buggy Brew Coffee Company. End your day by gathering to relax in our courtyard. You will leave feeling connected and refreshed.